When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey, ho, get down. Right on. Bitch, please. Oh, bitch, please, my ass. Do you want a sandwich? Dig that. Oh, hell yeah. She's a black man in a white world. I'm a black man in a white Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the JB's Low Tech Podcast. It's Super Bowl Saturday, and I think it's time for me to talk to one of my favorite gopher quarterbacks ever. Here next, and the only clue is sweet feet here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. In Pennsylvania, a teenage girl that was about to turn 18 was driving her brand new car home when she looked down to check a text message and struck a tree, killing herself and injuring a friend in the car. The average message takes 4.6 seconds to create. Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. Please don't drive while intoxicated or allow your friends and family to do so. No text message or phone call is worth dying for. Find Mike Bryant at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Mike Bryant, seeking justice for the injured. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the JB's Low Tech Podcast. In my opening, I laid a little hint, and the hint was Sweet Feet. He also goes by Slick Rick or The Fog. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, on this Super Bowl Saturday, I'm conversing with Ricky Foggy. How you doing, Rick? I'm doing good, JB. It's good to uh, hear from you, man. And um, um, I was hoping you'd bring a little warmer weather to this conversation. <laughs> I got no control on, on that. 
Unfortunately, so all all I can bring all I can bring is the warmth of brotherhood. All right, that that'll work for me. What I do with most of my well, all my guests is I let them start off with a origin story, and yours started off in South Carolina in a small town in South Carolina. Can you talk about your childhood? Yeah, definitely. Um, it was uh, um, from a little town, like you said, called Waterloo. I think we had. Nope, we didn't even have a red light, and we still don't. <laughs> but <laughs> so, um, how many people? Yeah, uh, we probably had around anywhere between 1,000 and 1,500 people. And uh, the running joke about my hometown was if you if you entered it and you went down to tie your shoe, and by the time you came up, you would have missed everything. So that's how, how small my hometown was. But I'm the, I'm the baby of nine kids. I'm the yeah. youngest of nine, uh, four brothers and four sisters. And uh, I think that was a blessing in itself because uh, most of my siblings uh, were athletes. So I was kind of, you know, born into a athletic family. Everybody plays sports. So uh, I think that's where I got my good fortunes from. Um, running behind them ever since I could walk, um, I was playing something. So there, somebody had a ball. So. I think that's where I got my good blessings from. Uh, was there a reason why everybody played sports? I'm 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 from a family of nine, also, and not everybody played sports. Well, you know, mom and dad had to work, uh, so nobody couldn't be at home, you know, alone. So they had to be outside playing uh, if they wasn't in school. So that was pretty much the the golden rule for. Um, not being at home. So you couldn't go home until mom and dad came home. Mom or dad came home from work. So the next best thing was to stay outside and play sports. I understand that. Yeah, me and my brothers, we were definitely playing something, something different every day. Uh, We even played street hockey, believe it or not. So that's where the ice hockey, ice hockey and me came from as you contested to well when we get into your university of minnesota days i I have a story about another story about ice hockey but we'll wait for that so you um so this small town it had a high school football team i take it or was it that you played in a different town yeah we played in a different town so uh the, the town that had the school was Lawrence, Lawrence High School. And so in the surrounding communities, um, there was probably three communities that migrated into that high school. Um, so, um, so it was about a 11 mile bus ride for us to get to high school. And, you know, we had a lot of good athletes um, to come out of that school before me um, and a lot of good athletes to come out of that school after I went through. So um, it was, it was a small knit community where everyone came together and it was, it was that type of community to where you play football on Friday nights, every store in town was shut down, was closed except for my dad's barbershop. <laughs> uh, you know, football, Friday night lights, that was the thing. And so everybody enjoyed um, going to the games and 
us as players uh, enjoy playing together. So, uh, quarterback, why did you gravitate to that position? I really didn't. I um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, growing. I was. I wasn't one of the biggest kids. I was one of the taller kids growing up. So in junior high, I played nose guard and I had to play offensive line. Okay. All and right. So uh, uh, once I got in the ninth and tenth grade, um, I started showing a little more athleticism. So they put me at running back and uh, free safety. And going into my junior year, we had a coaching change on the varsity football team. And so my sophomore coach, Coach Leroy, comes up to me and goes, hey, you know, we got this new coach coming in. And I think with your athleticism and your speed, I think you'd be a good fit to play quarterback. And I go, Coach Leroy, you know, because uh, we went to a predominantly white high school. It was 95% white. Oh, okay. I told Coach Leroy, I go, Coach Leroy, you know, we never had a black quarterback at our high school. He goes, yeah, that's true, but this new coach doesn't know that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so so uh, he trained me all summer, um, leading up into my junior year, he trained me uh, all summer on, you know, the techniques and things that, you know, the little things I need to know about playing quarterback. Um, and lo and behold, the new guy came in, um, and he allowed me to try out at quarterback and end up winning the position my junior year. And, um, we went, uh, to the semifinals my junior year. We lost in the semifinals of the state championship. And then, uh, my senior year, uh, we went all the way and, uh, won the 4A state championship in football. So. Um, no, it was, I give all the credit to my sophomore coach, coach, Lee, coach Leroy for, uh, you know, having the faith in me and allow mm-hmm. me to, um, to encourage me to, you know, to play, play quarterback and, and helping me learn some little things to help me win the job. Uh, were you guys an, uh, option offense in high we school? Okay. Yeah, yeah, we was option offense in high school and I had a, um, a running back I had was an All-American running back, this guy named Ronnie Pulley. And um, we ended up having 11 guys go Division One and Division Two off of that football team. Wow. Uh, and that was probably, even though you were playing at a different high school, it was probably still a small high school. Still was a small high school. I think we had about 250 in our graduating class. Yeah, that's about what we had at. When I graduated, I think it was like two oh three, but uh, somehow, some way, a football coach by the name of Lou Holtz found you. How the heck did that happen? I don't know, man. I just think I'm. I'm I think I'm full of uh, some interesting stories here. <laughs> I was. Uh, <laughs> That's why I'm having you on. I was actually being recruited um, by Coach John Palermo. Okay. Um, and Coach Palermo at the time was at East Carolina University. Mm-hmm. And uh, and lo, lo and behold, he ended up being recruited by Coach Holtz. Not recruited, he got hired by Coach right. Holtz uh, at the University of Minnesota. And he pretty much, you know, showed him my film and, uh, uh, and said that, you know, given the right opportunity, 
he knew that I, I could be a good quarterback at the University of Minnesota with that type of offense that they was going to run. And so from Coach Palermo is the one who actually recruited me to come to the University of Minnesota. I didn't meet Coach Holtz until my recruiting trip. Okay. Ricky, these I've known you for 30-something years, and these are stories I'm just hearing. <laughs> Your recruitment and how you became a how you became a quarterback. I've never heard either of these stories. I know, man. It's amazing. So, how did your uh, visit with Coach Coach Holtz go? It was good. My um, my high school coach, who, who was Coach Buddy Jennings, he had came from Farming University, and um, he was not a Coach Holtz fan uh, because he <laughs> he he kind of. You know, he was he was an older gentleman at the time. Not old, old, but you know, probably in his early late thirties or forties. So he he had followed Coach O's being in the college coaching ranks, mm-hmm. and he just he just kind of told me that you know, University of Minnesota would be a great university to go to, but Coach Holtz probably wouldn't stay there for four years because you know he was he was known for rebuilding programs and then you know going to the next taking the next step. And uh, and I was like, I don't know. I just think it's a good fit for me. And so I took the recruiting trip. Uh, I think the, the thing I really remember is Melvin Anderson and uh, Dwayne Dutrell mm-hmm. taking me to J.D. Hoyts. Yep. <laughs> Where we all still go to, to this day. <laughs> yes, indeed. I was, I was pretty much sold after that. I was like, forget talking to anybody else. I'm coming. <laughs> but uh, I <laughs> know uh, I had a, I had a one-on-one meeting with Coach Hose, and um, you know, I just wanted to know if, if you know, if I would come to Minnesota, would I get the opportunity to play quarterback? Because mm-hmm. um, I was being recruited at the University of North Carolina too, and they wasn't sure if I was they was going to have me play. DB or wide receiver or just, you know, use me as an athlete. So, I, you know, I wanted to play quarterback, at least give an opportunity to play, and Coach O said he would do that. And, uh, you know, so that's all I needed to hear. Yeah, it's it's amazing how one school to another school looks at a an, an, uh, young man or young woman and decides what the fit is for their school. But um, – Lucky for all of us, uh, Coach Holtz had the whereabouts to not only recruit you as a quarterback, but play you as a quarterback. Did you start your freshman year here? Well, he, he kind of threw a monkey wrench at me uh, when we came to uh, training camp um, you know, in fall camp. Because I came up early, I wanted to kind of get a grasp on it. I knew I was going to have a tough time adjusting because I was a mama's boy coming from a small <laughs> Yes, you were. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> coming from a small town, coming to a big city. So I came up a couple weeks early, and uh, and so once we went to camp, uh, they put me at quarterback for a day, and they moved me to wide receiver, and he put me at defensive back, and he put me at running back, and then I went to went to Coach Hoax after about four days and go, you know. Coach, don't you remember that conversation we had about you want to let me play quarterback? (laughs) (laughs) 
And so he, he pretty much said, yes, I do remember it. But some of the other coaches wanted to take a shot at you, see what you can do. And so after that, he, uh, he put me back at quarterback. I was actually number five on the depth chart. Mm-hmm. Um, because they had, they had Brett Sadak returning. Right. Coming back as a veteran. Uh, I think Brett was a junior. Uh, and so I had to move my way up the depth chart. Uh, Cause they had, I know they had a couple all Americans. They had this guy named Dan Ford. Yep. Uh, they had Alan Holtz. Mm-hmm. Um, they had Michael Baker. Right. And uh, I think the the fortunate thing for me is once I seen them running that option, I knew that was my way in at that point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the time the season started, Brett started down in uh, in Purdue. Right. Uh, the first game. And then they threw me at a halftime, and I took over after that. So, yeah, I did. I started as a true freshman. Well, um, I remember Alan and Michael coming in because I, re- I recruited, actually recruited Michael Baker because he's from St. Louis like I am. So, yes, um, going back to your – after you signed, for some reason, uh, Dick Matson, Maddie, and Coach Holtz, had me call you, and this is why I know you're a mother's boy, call your mother and promise to send a football for you to practice with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, why do I have to make the phone call? <laughs> and I'm on the phone, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I sure will. Don't Believe me, I'm not fooling. I'm going to send a football for Ricky. Don't worry about it. She, she's like, all right, and and then when he gets there, you make sure you take care of my boy. I was like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> how did he become my, won't use the word problem, but I didn't even, this, you know, I'm a student manager myself. It's like, how did I, you know, all of a sudden become Ricky's caretaker. But That's how smart they was. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you... You're at the University of Minnesota, and you're starting. And um, the uh, I think it was the following year or so, uh, Daryl Thompson shows up. And I've had an interview with Daryl. And I told Daryl, I said, Ricky would always practice a certain thing in, in practice, but he would never do it in a game. And that was throw a behind-the-back, no-look no pitch. But you would never throw it and do it in the game. Why wouldn't you do it in the game? Because I know I have my butt be sitting on the sideline. <laughs> <laughs> Not only did not Coach Host didn't play that, it was more Coach Beckish, yeah, who was my quarterback coach, did not play that. Yeah, he was. He, he was all good with me, like you say, doing it in practice. But otherwise, if I ever, if I ever would have tried it in the game, I I knew where I was. Being. I've been over the line that time. So, uh, how, what uh, what are your recollection of your years here at the University of Minnesota? I think not just uh, you know have the, the, the being fortunate enough to play Division One football uh, because, um, like I said, growing up in that small town, that's that's something that you know it's hard to envision. You know, I uh, I, I grew up watching. Uh, Clemson play Homer Jordan mm-hmm. um, was my idol because he was a black quarterback playing at Clemson University. Right. 
and 81, which is hard to fathom. Right. But he, you know, they won a national championship. And so I was like, okay, um, you know, we got a guy and he was, I was, I was just kind of the same style of running. He ran the option. And, um, and so that's who I, I wanted to be like, like Homer Jordan. And so, uh, no, I think, I think the one thing that I take from being at the University of Minnesota is the, 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 the camaraderie and the friendships and the brotherhoods um, of the guys that I still talk to and hang out with. And, mm-hmm. you know, because, I mean, playing Division One football, it's a job. Right. You know, because you got to go to class. You know, you got practice. You know, I had my daughter Jasmine at the time when I was in college. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's, it, it was a job. <laughs> so, um, you know, going in, 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 down, going to Michigan in 1986 to, to, as a 29-point underdog and, and to come out with a win and then number two in the nation, you know, there's, that's things that you always remember. And the guys that you went to war with, you know, playing those football games, you know, like I'm still real tight with Ray Hitchcock. Ray was my center. Right. I'm telling you now, if me and Ray somewhere hanging out and he thinks somebody is going to mess with me, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure right now Ray would still knock the block off. <laughs> Speaking of Super Bowls, uh, Ray is a uh, Super Bowl champ himself. So yeah, shout out to Ray. No, yeah. I, you know, centers protect their quarterbacks. It's kind of a lifelong bond, I take it. Yes, it is. And so, no, and just, you know, like Daryl Thompson and, you know, mm-hmm. watching your buddies go on and have NFL career, you know, like Chip Low Miller. Yeah. Um, you know, and we still talk to each other pretty regularly. And just having those relationships, man, it's something. It's like you created a whole other family that you didn't have growing up. You know, if you didn't, if I didn't come to the University of Minnesota, I would never known. You know, like these guys or uh, been able to experience um, the things that we've experienced together, good and bad. And so, it's just that that college experience where you're able to get away from home and you get to grow into your own person, and you're able to play some really good, exciting football. Is I think that is the bonus. Yeah, I'll never forget that win at Michigan because I was actually laying in bed with the flu. <laughs> and, hey. I, and my roommates at the time uh, had laid money with Michigan to win with a local bookie and were mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were not happy. <laughs> they were not yeah. happy. They were like, yeah, that was, that was a fun game. Yeah. Um, I just know, I just remember, um, you were one of the favorites of the equipment rooms, especially Dick Matson. Uh, you have any recollections of uh, old Maddie? Oh man, probably too many. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, Max, man, he was. We thought he was actually really a mean guy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we were kids. Right. You know, and so, uh, no, he he kept us in line. There's no question about it. Matt said he didn't let us step out of line, but 
he took care of us. You know, he was like he was like a dad to us. Um, I mean, such a such a nice, good guy. And uh, you know, if we needed anything, he took care of us, gave us a hard time, gave me a hard time every time now and then. But I think I think he knew I was kind of a prima donna. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he he he, <laughs> he laid down the hammer, but he took care of me at the end. Uh, and you know, Max Max was a great guy, man. And um, R.I.P. Dick Max. That's for sure. Yeah. No, he uh, made me promise. He made me promise that I would graduate if I continued to work in the equipment room and not just hang out and be around. He's like, no, you're here to get an education and you're here, here to graduate. And if you're going to be here, then those are a must. So I always yeah. owe that to him. And I always tell people I would knock down a wall or whatever it took to uh, be there for him. So. Now the 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 story I had about hockey, and believe it or not, you, <laughs> I was at a skate with the Gophers event when we were in school, and um, a couple of hockey players, um, Peter Hankinson, and um, God, why am I blanking the other person? And I I showed up for some reason just to skate around and whatnot. Well, they told, kept telling young kids, I was you. <laughs> <laughs> and that they should come get an autograph from me. And I'm like, I'm, no, nope, I'm not Ricky Foggy. And I don't know why I didn't show them my ID. I just kept saying, no, I'm not Ricky Foggy. I said, those guys are lying to you. And um, they just kept sending kids to me. So I think I told you, I signed I signed things that day as you because <laughs> the kids wouldn't leave me alone. So there's a bunch of phony Ricky Foggy autographs out there by me. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good story. Yeah, I don't even think you can uh, ice skate. <laughs> I, I definitely cannot ice skate. So, yeah, they, you know, the kids kept coming up and, Peter and um, oh god! For some reason, before I did started the show, I could remember the other guy's name, and now I'm drawing a total blank. But um, um, yeah, kept telling those young people that I was uh, I was you. So awesome. when your uh, years at the University of Minnesota uh, ended, um, did you, were you even afforded? A shot at the NFL? Yeah, I had I had scouts come in uh, and and work out because uh, you know I I was fast, you know mm -hmm. um, I could run and you know like I and I was athletic and just my style at the time uh, wasn't what was happening in the in the NBA. I mean not in the NFL, right? Um, uh, so yeah, I had I had some teams come in and work me out as wide out. Had some teams work me out as um, defensive back, and uh, I was I wasn't against going that route, um, but my agent um, that I had at the time said that you know he had some teams interested in the CFL, right? 
And so I was like, cool, I, if they going to let me play QB? He was like, oh, yeah, you know, your style will fit well up there. And so thank goodness for me, I had another avenue to where I could continue playing quarterback. And so that was in the Canadian Football League. And and so that's where, that's the route I took. Now you were born 30 years too early because now you're looking in the NFL and a lot of the top quarterbacks play the way you played. Back in yeah, the they're 80s. Running. they're running all over the place now. <laughs> running and throwing and doing all types yeah. of things and mm-hmm. throwing the ball like a baseball sidearm and all type of stuff. So you were yeah. just you were born just too early. You were a man uh, before your times. So, yeah, I thought about that, but I wouldn't change a thing. So you uh, landed in the CFL. How was that? It was fun. I had a blast, man. I played, uh, uh, ended up playing 10 years in the Canadian Football League. Uh, got two great cup rings. Got one in 1991 with the uh, Toronto Argonauts. And got another great cup ring um, in 1993 with the Edmonton Eskimos. And the great cup is equivalent to the Super Bowl down here in the NFL. Right. And so uh, it was a blast. I mean, I got to play. Um, uh, with Doug Flutie, played with Doug, played mm-hmm. against Doug. Mm-hmm. Uh, Major Harris, um, I got to meet Major, uh, who was a West Virginia quarterback back in the day, and heck of an athlete. Uh, got got to play with Heisman Trophy winner uh, Rocket Ismail from out of Notre Dame, and uh, we share some great coach host stories for right. sure. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, uh, no, it was it was fun, man. I, I you know, took advantage of that big field uh, with my running skills and um, learned to be uh, a much better pass, polished passer in the CFL. Uh, I can credit a lot of that to um, a Hall of Fame coach uh, up there, a guy by the name of Adam Rita, Coach Rita. And so, um wouldn't have changed anything, man. I think because of the big field, the way I can run and throw, you know, I'm healthy. You know, I think that's right. that's the main thing. Um, you know, with my style, I didn't take a lot of big shots. And and I was fortunate enough to come out not only playing 10 years in the Canadian Football League, I played another eight years in arena football. Well, uh, so. Before we move to the arena league, did you ever play for Mark Tressman? No, I never played for Coach Tressman. I okay. think um, I think Coach Tressman was in the NFL during my time in the, right. in the CFL. Because um, that would have been a unique link that you would if you would have played for him, because your one of your CFL coaches was Mike Hoensey, who was also a former Gopher quarterback, and um, Ho was something to believe or to see. When he played here at the U, he could sling the football. I know, but I've actually looked him up and watched some of his film, man. And you ain't kidding. Go throw that rock. Yeah. Yeah, he was um, the hurling Hawaiian. Yeah, he could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it makes you wonder how somebody from Hawaii and somebody from South Carolina ever winds up here and. <laughs> 
Minneapolis, Minnesota. That's recruiting for you. Yeah. You know, you know, those guys, I think just back then, you know, them just being old school, um, they had to actually go out and find players, you know, and, you know, it's not like today they do a lot of stuff on the huddle where they can just sit down behind the desk and, Mm -hmm. you know, watch these kids. You know, these guys, you know, they went out and found found guys like me and Coach Hornsey. And um, and so, uh, fortunate enough, when Coach Ho came into town this past fall to watch a game, uh, we went out for lunch together, me, him, and his wife. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, what type of coach was he? Because I, you know, I probably laid back, or was he fiery? He was a little bit of both, you know, because he was – I'm not even going to say was. He still is such a competitor. Uh, so, yeah, you know, if, you, if you're if being coached by a former quarterback, you know, not only is he going to give you the knowledge, but he's going to expect you to be much better than, you know, the rest of the football team because – and I, did, I do the same thing as a high school coach. You know, I play through my quarterback. And so, uh, um, and that's what he did. And, you know, very smart guy, knows the game in and out, and uh, but very passionate also. Yeah, there's um, – I just have memories of him just – I mean, he was a battler, and he was mm-hmm. just, you know, he would, he would wink at you almost to tell <laughs> you, watch this. Watch me right. pull watch me pull this off. And he would do it. And you would just stand there and just shake your head because he was just like you would just go, Man, gotta find more guys like this, like this one. Yeah, they don't they don't make a whole lot of them like that. No. No, they do not. So did you uh did you just state you had championships also in the arena league? No, I didn't. wasn't able to get one in the ring league. Okay. Um, yeah, I just I played another ten years and I mean eight years in arena football, but I wasn't able to pull off a championship. But I had a lot of fun. Like I said, met a played with a lot of great guys, um, and uh, you know more friendships that I could ever imagine, and guys that we still talk and hang out with to the day. And you know, just you know, I think I was fortunate as an athlete to be able to play as long as I did and come out on the healthy end of things and just to be able to create so many friends that I, I never imagined I would have had. Um, so what uh, what teams did you play for in the uh, Arena League, AFL? Yeah, we started out here. We had the Minnesota Fight and Fight. Uh, that's right, and I actually helped out for a little bit. <laughs> Well, that team was a debacle. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was uh, I was in New Jersey with New Jersey Red Dogs for four years, and then uh, I was in um, in Florida with the Florida Bobcats uh, for two years, and then I finished up uh, in Detroit with the Detroit Fury. No, no chances at the USFL. No, I think the USFL, was I still in college? No, I think 
think you were out when they by first then? when they first came out, but I think they that first year was eighty four because okay. I remember when they they signed like Flutie and Herschel yeah. Walker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I yeah I was still in I was still in college when USFL came out, and they did not stay around long. No, and and it was all built for a certain person to become an NFL owner and he didn't. So he became president and we've all been miserable. Anyway, I, <laughs> I digress because <laughs> he was an owner in the uh, USFL. Yes, um, <laughs> so you had a wonderful time in those and then it was time to hang it up. Um, when you uh, thought about retiring from uh, playing professional football, what was your first thoughts? It's about time. <laughs> Did you have have any thoughts of what you were going to do? No, I knew I, I would get back into football at, at some capacity. And, uh, you know, unfortunate enough, I uh, when I was done playing, I, I coached arena football, arena two football mm-hmm. for a couple of years. And then uh, I decided I wanted to come back to the Twin Cities and uh and pursue a high school job uh in, in coaching and so that's when i end up interviewing and getting the, the job at park center back in 2008. and you um you had some success of molding a winning team correct yeah we um we had we had a tough goal first couple of years at park center um because we was a smaller school at some of the, you know, one of the bigger conferences in the, in the state of Minnesota, mm-hmm. playing like Maple Grove and Osseo and Champlain Park. And so, uh, you know, we wanted to, to get kids interested in playing, right. come out and play football at the park. And so, you know, we took the model of, okay, we can win off the field, right? So we can get kids to come participate and you know, if a kid wanted to go to college, we was going to work our hardest to try to get him to go to college, you know, get him, try to get him a scholarship, at, you know, Division One or Division Two or Division Three. You know, if that was his goal, we was, we was going to try and do everything in our power to, to make that happen for those kids. But a lot of them, you know, after that first year or two we was there, you know, a lot of kids seen that we were having – you know, a couple wins, which mm-hmm. they wasn't having any wins at the beginning. And so it drew more interest. And then, you know, we had a couple kids go to Division II. Um, and then I think our biggest kid uh, was a money hooker. Oh, I didn't know that. Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so money started, he started uh, as a true freshman for us. Mm-hmm. So he was a four-year starter. And now, of course, you know, Marty's starting strong safety for the Tennessee Titans. Right. So he's he's probably one of our biggest stars that we had at Park Center. I'll say the brightest because we had some stars over there. And so I think we got a lot of pleasure out of that. And now um, they have a really nice program over at Park Center. Now, I'm, I'm saying this in jest, but... You couldn't get him to go to the U, Ricky. <laughs> we, I don't want to tell that story. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, can, I could just, I can imagine. <laughs> I, I, 
believe me, I hear this stuff. So, you know, yeah. after yeah. seeing male's son at Wisconsin and other things like that, it's like, ugh. you know, just, you know. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't our doing. Let me tell you that. Right, Jay Carroll's Jay Carroll's son is coming back to the U, but he started, you know, he went to Notre Dame at first, and there's been so many others that, you know, who uh, wind up in other places. So, like, like Daryl's son Race, and you know, Daryl's kids have been all over, but not Minnesota. He had one son at the U, but. Um, right. It just kind of breaks my heart to see legacy children playing in other places in the Big Ten. So, again, I'll get off my soapbox. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, so you you coach in high school. Now, did you, you got did you graduate from the U, or did you? I did. Okay. Yeah, business uh, communication. All right. And yeah. this and this was um, before you moved on to the pros. Oh no, I, I got done. Who came in '84? I think I ended up finishing up in '94. Okay. Yeah, I took my time after I was done. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it ain't like it is now. Shoot, they get out now at a hundred and something credits. It was two hundred and something credits for us back then. Yeah, you got that right. I I try to explain that when I had student workers, I tried to tell them that, and they would all look at me like I was crazy. I was like, "No, <laughs> it was two hundred and like fifteen plus credits." And they now getting out at one forty five and three years, yeah. four years, and whatnot. It's unbelievable. Um, wow. Speaking of the change in college, what are your thoughts? as a former top uh, top athlete of name, image, and likeness and transfer portal. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the, the NIL is yeah. what it's called. Yep. Yeah. Well, that, that goes back to me being born too early. <laughs> yeah, that's right? true. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, no, I, I think, I think I'm fine with that. You know, I think the players do deserve, um, something other than you know you know they always told us you guys getting the scholarships get to go to class you know get to get a free education and that's true and it was a bonus there's no question but you you see what these universities are making off of these kids and Mm -hmm. you so yeah i mean why not give them a a look you know a cut of it and so uh, yeah, I'm all for it. You know, I think the only persons that miss out are the guys who are not as popular. Right. You know, and they have to work, you know, they're working as hard or harder, you know, than, a, you know, as a top name guy. So my only thing is, you know, you know, what happened to these guys? Yeah. And the, you know. and the other, and the problem with the transfer portal, kids are trans. Uh, leaving schools without a place to land, and they were, they said forty five percent, and this included f- football at all levels in college, but like forty five percent of them have no place to go. <laughs> what they were like disgruntled employees, like <laughs> they get mad, they mad at the head coach, and so they just they just yeah. go hop in the portal. 
Rick, I'll tell you, the day I found out about the transfer portal, I was walking into a soccer team meeting, uh, beginning of the year team meeting, and the uh, the representative from um, compliance was was talking before me, and and I'm catching the middle of the conversation, and I'm like hearing. All you have to do is come see me and you don't have to talk to your coach and you can leave. And I'm, I'm sitting there like, what? Wow. <laughs> and so after the team meeting, I was pretty close to the soccer coach at the time. And I went, matter of fact, she's from St. Louis also. So I went to her office and I said, homie, I said, what was he talking about? And she goes, yeah, that's the new thing called the transfer portal. They can leave anytime they want to without. And in the Big Ten, it, there was no punishment. You know, the the ACC and the SEC finally went away from uh, making you sit for a year. But like in the Big Ten and other conferences, you went and you could play right away. And I was like, Man, this is crazy. So you can go you can go from Minnesota to Ohio State they, and play the same year? Same year. Wow. Yeah. And that's why they when people hear players after game four say I'm in the transfer portal, they're literally start restarting their recruitment all over again. Now, what they lose right at that point is beyond that semester or that quarter, their scholarship is gone. They still, until that, that time ends, the school is still responsible for their scholarship and still responsible for, like, their academics and all those things. So they still get tutoring. They still get athletic medicine. Uh... Yeah, they kind of lose the equipment side of it because coaches cut them. That's the one thing coaches can cut them off of. But uh, they still get their meals and all that. But, um, yeah, they literally have start, restart their recruitment. And, um, That's amazing. I, uh, it took a year or two for the kids to catch on. And the, and the first sport that I saw it explode was softball. Believe it or not, they were just, and the, and the reason for that was, it was softball and soccer, and the reason for that was, those young ladies had made the decision on what college they were going to as ninth graders, and eighth graders. So by yeah. the time they matured and got to college, the college wasn't a fit for like a certain percentage of them, like 30% of them, and they wanted to go somewhere where it would be a better fit, you know, Socially, financially, or whatever, but um, yeah, because back then they could get verbal commitments from young women in those sports. They were non-binding, but parents were such in a rush to be able to say that their kid had a college scholarship. Right, they would they would agree and shut it down, and you know then they'd get to the college and be like, "Whoa, this isn't a fit for me." And when they figured out those two sports, their transfer portals were, like, maxed. 
just running from school to school and whatnot. I mean, we had the the all-time home run hitter for the University of Minnesota softball in two seasons left in the middle of her third year and finished at Florida. Wow. <laughs> and in two years, she's still the home run, all-time home run hitter at the wow. University of Minnesota. <laughs> so That's amazing. <laughs> but, yeah, those are – I mean – and I kind of flip-flop on it back and forth, Rick, because um, I see things that a lot of other people uh, don't get to see. Or I used yeah. to see things that other people didn't get to see. Yeah, it angered me that football coaches were making – now they're making like $10 million a year. Right. And that's clearly off the money that those young men are making. Yep. But um, – you know, and you got offensive, defensive quarter make, uh, coordinators making a million dollars as an assistant coach. You know, again, that's all that. And then the ADs are making a million plus, and that's all off. And that's when things started to flip for me. Right. Until when it was, they were still making, like the head coach was still like in a million, two million. I was like, yeah, you know, because we were starting to really. T- and the kids are really taken care of now. Not like you guys were. I mean, yeah. they get a $5,000 wardrobe every year now. And, you know, they get, no matter if you're a scholarship athlete or um, a walk-on at the U, you get one meal in that new cafeteria that they built in the athletic village. You know, right. It started as dinner, and I think they moved it to lunch. But still, they all get one free meal. And, you know, all the athletic medicine. And now they have um, um, mental health. And the strength and conditioning has exploded at colleges. You know, it's a cottage Mm -hmm. industry where not only were, you know, when you guys were there, it was Bob Rohde and maybe a couple of guys who were part-time. Now it's, you know, football has four guys, and then you still have four to five other people that works with all the other teams full time. And it's just like, you know, nutrition areas and whatnot. So if they're hungry, anytime they're hungry, there's some type of food somewhere for them to eat. Yep. You know, I had a young man look at me once, a track athlete, and say, JB, why would I, he goes, I live in an apartment, but why would I, why do I live in an apartment? He goes, I can eat the nutrition stuff here. Plus the one meal we get. There's a shower here for me. Locker rooms has couches. I can sleep here. He goes, there's TVs in the locker room. I can watch TV. It has cable. He goes, why am I paying rent? I looked at him and said, don't say any of this to me because if you change your mind and start living here, I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's a different world, man. And, you, and you're right. They're, they are living off these players because right. they're making so much more money than what they were making when we was playing. Yeah, and... Um... Unfortunately, the people who t- who taken it in the shorts or who had taken it in the shorts or uh, a lot of the support people that you had, like 
secretaries and, um, uh, you know, equipment people basically were run off to find younger equipment people to pay them less and, you know, all these different things and whatnot. It's, it's all about turning the staffs over so you pay them less and less and less to give yeah. more and more to the kids and also to the administrators and the top coaches. Right. So, and it's, and people, and I, mm. I'm, I'm going to be honest here, that department over there is in debt because they did not fundraise enough to um, pay off that football stadium nor that athletic village. So when everybody hears that they get that, 50 to 70 million dollar check from the big 10 every year yeah it's you know it's basically gone when you spend 38 million they spent 38 million dollars on football along last year wow (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) you were born too early that's that right and then they lose a lot of donors because of the um they got rid of some of the other sports some of, yeah, they lost some of their top donors, uh, and uh, there's also donor fatigue. They kept right. going to the they didn't like accrue new people. They kept going to the same people, and they're like, "Hey, I've given you all I can give you." So yeah, <laughs> you know it's um, I don't know how or who can change the the fortunes over there, but it ain't, it's not going well right now. So uh, with your high school coaching, let's get back to you. (laughs) (laughs) Get me off the soapbox before they come find me because I'm still working on campus. So I don't want them to come find me anyway. (laughs) Um, Are you still enjoying high school coaching? Well, I, 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 I was, at uh, St. Thomas Academy up until um, 2020. Oh, okay. And so I, I got out after that, and um, I had a guy approach me um, last month from De La Salle High School. Mm-hmm. And so I took, the, took that position to be the offensive coordinator at uh, De La Salle this upcoming season. So uh, I took a little break. Uh, right. I wanted to work on my, work on my golf game. I see that the postings on Facebook constantly. How is the golf game? It's it's, it's good, you know. I'm nowhere near a professional, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Let's keep let's keep this thing. Let's keep it real, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I got some buddies that I that, that we enjoy each other's company. You know, a lot of former teammates, right? Um, I to see. Be honest, yeah. I see Chuck yeah. is always on there. Yep, Chuck Frank Jackson uh, right. plays a lot. So uh, no, and that's the fun part. I just think us hanging out, and uh, we we push each other to get better on the golf course, uh, like you know former athletes usually do. You know nobody wants to be the loser, right? So uh, we we're, we're pretty competitive, so it's fun. I think us just getting out a couple times a week, we enjoy that more than anything. But uh, uh, it's a good it's a good game to to be competitive. To hang around your boys for three or four hours, and um, you know, just at the end of the day, shake in and go out by our way. So, I gotta, I gotta get better. <laughs> well, I could never keep the ball straight enough 
to keep playing. <laughs> Maddie tried to teach me. <laughs> it was probably part of the problem was that was the wrong person to teach me. I watched him. I watched him one time. I was caddying for him and him and Marsh in some event at uh, campus. That it was the M Club event. Yeah, <laughs> he got mad and snapped his putter in half. <laughs> and, and took the jagged ends and drove them into the fringe of the green. It was like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, and he played another hole or two by putting. The first time he putted with Marsh's putter, hated it. And the second time he, the second hole he paint, uh, putted with his driver. <laughs> and then he just looked at me, come on, let's go. So we left, left Marsh by himself. <laughs> I guess the yeah. other other two in the foursome. <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? I just kind of looked at him and I looked at Marsh like, well, I guess I got to go. Because <laughs> he yeah. kept going, come on, get your ass moving. Let's go. <laughs> no, see, we don't, we don't allow none of that stuff to happen. We all, we all in it for the fun of it. Yeah, I like I said, I just can't keep the balls. I being in the in the rough would be a blessing for me. I always wound up on the next fairway. <laughs> yeah, you ain't kidding. You couldn't keep it straight. No, I tried everything: moving my feet, moving my hands. Too much of a hockey player, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. Um, so. How did you find high school parents? Did they drive you nuts? Were they okay? Were they? <laughs> no, it was okay. I mean, I uh, when we had our uh, parent uh, player meeting, you know, I always, you know, let the parents know. Like, I go, you know, if your kid comes to practice and he participates in practice, he's doing going going to school, doing what he's supposed to do in the classroom. We will find playing time for him, mm-hmm. and so uh, you know I would always tell him. I'd be at the end of the meeting. I would tell him. I go, you know, here's your time to ask me any question you want about our football program. Right. And I go at the end of this meeting when the football season starts. Don't take it personal. But I don't talk to parents about their kids playing football. I go, now, if they're having a problem, you know, we'll get together and we'll talk about that. But mm-hmm. once it comes to football, if your son is not playing, then he's not doing something right. Right. And you can probably get the answer. John Anderson always said, you probably can get the answer from your child. <laughs> right. You ain't got to come to the coach. <laughs> Ask your son why he ain't playing. So, no, we, uh, I, I never had a problem because we was fair. You know, we didn't play no favoritism. For the most part, we didn't have enough kids to play favoritism, right? right? So, no, we, we got kids on the playing field, you know, somehow, even if it's special team, uh, we get them in for a play or two. You know, they played. And so that was that was one thing we went by as, as a coaching staff. You know, if it, we, always, we always put it to like a job, right? So if you go to work, Monday through Friday, you expect your paycheck on Friday night. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's the same thing with, with playing. We always told the kids, if you come to practice every day, well, on Friday, you're going to get your paycheck. You're going to get to play. And so if, if you didn't, 
if you miss the day, then that's a quarter. You're going to sit a quarter. Right. Yeah. So we, we had a fair system. So it, it, you know, it made sense to everybody. We, we didn't do nothing crazy where like they couldn't understand it. We made it so that they couldn't understand it, keep it simple and make it fair. And so, no, I never, I never, I had one problem with one parent. And it wasn't even a problem. Uh, remember Nick Conley? Yeah, the name sounds familiar. Yeah, he was my kid from Red Wing. Uh, he he was he was recruited by uh, Coach Kill. Okay. And so, yeah, so Nick was, uh, and he ended up ended up passing uh, a cancer. Oh. Um, after his junior year at the U. Okay. And so I was Nick was playing. He was a senior and. It was early in the season, so we was playing him in the shape, right? Mm-hmm. And so, fourth quarter, he was still in the game, and he he went down. He had a little injury, so I'm walking out on the field, and his dad is is one of the guys holding the flag, um, yardstick. Right. So I'm walking out on the field, and he goes, "I don't know why he's still out there." So I turn around and go, "So now you want to coach the football team?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he goes my bad, coach. <laughs> right, so, right. He's out there for a reason. We we know why he's out there. He's out there to play and to get in the shape. Right. Yeah. So, and I mean that was about on the only flare up I had in my years of coaching. Yeah, I had I had uh, the same incident happen to me twice when I was coaching youth hockey. I would. I always show up early and I try to show up early enough. If parents had concerns, they could catch me in the hallway before practice. And um, was there early enough? Nobody talked to me. This, that, and the other. We get on the ice. I blow the whistle to start practice. In both incidents, instance, something like eight to ten years apart. Parent starts yelling at me from the stands, <laughs> and I, and in both situations, like you cowards, <laughs> you could have talked to me face to face in the hallway, and now you want to ask me shout questions at me from from the stands before practice. So, in both in both cases, I just took my whistle off and handed it toward them, and they were like, "What what are you doing?" I said, "Well." Sounds like you think you can coach the team. Have at it. <laughs> and they um, both backed down at that point. So um, also I noticed from Facebook, you have a very huge dog. What is, what is with this dog? That's Boom. Boom's big. <laughs> he's, a, he's a great dame. Okay. And uh, he weighs... Right around two hundred. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but he's a he's a he's a gentle giant. Is he? Yes, he is. Your your companion, I take it. He's my sidekick. <laughs> All right, I, I had to ask about Boone because I see pictures of Boone every once in a while. <laughs> you photo- yeah, he's he's, he's kind of shy, right? But I, uh, he likes me to take his pictures. He's a Facebook King. He hears me talking about him right now. <laughs> so he's, he's like, why are you talking about me? 
exactly. <laughs> All right, to uh, wrap this this uh, wonderful time with you up, Ricky, tell me what you're doing now. You're doing something with kids, right? Outside of yeah, coaching. So, yep, outside of coaching, we have this uh, uh, program at Lifetime Fitness. Uh, it's called Game Face. And so um, it's, it's, it's a pretty good program because it's with kids uh, ages 8 to 13. Mm-hmm. And so uh, their parents usually drop them off at the daycare. Okay. And so what they found out is, you know, they don't mind going in the daycare system program, but, the, you know, there's a lot of younger kids in there. And so they kind of get restless. So now they want to do something to do. And they don't really want to play with the young kids. So came up with this program to where we take them out, take them out to the gym for about 45 minutes, uh, put them through, uh, you know, stretching, warm-ups, um, do some drills. I do some of my football drills with them, uh, some footwork, and then a lot of conditioning, which they really don't like. <laughs> but I bet you the parents are happy because you you run them down before they come home. Yes. So by the time the parents pick them up, they are ready to go home and take a nap. So, uh, no, it's a, it's a really good program. Um, I think I started it um, around the 1st of December, and um, it's really picking up, and the kids enjoy it. I really enjoy it because I – you know, every now and then I hop in and do a couple exercises with them just to make let them know that I'm still capable. <laughs> right. Uh, but no, it's fun. I think it. You know, uh, I really enjoy them. The kids are fun, and uh, we just go out there and have a lot of fun for about 45 minutes. Um, Saturday and Sunday morning, I do two sessions, and it's out of the Egan um, Egan Lifetime location. And is there a way for young people to? Uh get involved in the program? Yep. If they go on to uh, uh, lifetimefitness.com on their website, uh, you can look up the Egan location. Mm-hmm. And uh, the name of the sports program is Game Face. And um, like I said, I run the, the kids portion, um, 8 to 13. And they're also uh, the Game Face program runs – um, for student athletes at a high school, also over at the old Winter Park location. At which location? Uh, Winter Park, where Winter they used Park. to have the old Vikings yeah, facility. Yeah, the old Viking facility. Yeah. Yeah, Lifetime bought that. Oh, did not know that. See, I, yeah. I learned so much talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> that goes both ways. <laughs> well, uh, since it's Super Bowl Saturday, before I say goodbye, who does Ricky envision winning the, the the Super Bowl title tomorrow? There's one thing I don't do is gamble. I right. don't gamble, right? I don't gamble because I'm the worst. <laughs> I understand that. I don't gamble either. Yeah, I have guys at the gym, you know, because I play football. They always come to me, want me to make their pick on their Sunday football games, and I go. I'm the worst. I can tell you my opinion, but don't come to me on Monday and tell me I was wrong because I'm telling you right now I'm I'm not good. But I'm going with the Rams tomorrow. I think their defense, yeah, their defensive front is just amazing. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised 
if the, if the Bengals could upset them because they're a very confident team, and it's and it's hard to measure a confident football team with a confident quarterback and a big time receiver. Right. So, but I I just think the Rams defense is just too much for them. Why do you think Joe Burrow was a non-starter at at Ohio State? I mean, it just boggles my mind. Because they they got they they recruit so many good quarterbacks, right? They they recruit their worst quarterback is probably a four star, right? That they recruit. Right. So if they're sitting there with a boatload of five star, five star <laughs> quarterbacks, it's like, okay, when do I get my turn? Get my turn? Well, you might not get your turn. And so he was smart enough. No, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting you know I'm getting out of here and going somewhere where I can play. Well, it sounds like our boy uh, Urban explained that to him that if you you really want to play, you probably should transfer. <laughs> right. right. So I mean, that's just that's just how deep that's how they recruit. I mean, you know, if you go to Ohio State, you know, you're gonna have a a, a, g- a great career as a quarterback because that's a, you know that's their main focus. They're gonna have good running backs. They're gonna have really good receivers. Mm-hmm. And have really good linemen, so you know. Uh, but yeah, it is amazing that he could he couldn't get on the field and end up winning a national championship. Now he's playing the freaking Super Bowl, right? <laughs> but, yeah, that's yeah. pretty amazing. You know, he transfers, wins a national championship, overall <laughs> one draft pick, or he released in the top three. Mm-hmm. Has a season-ending knee surgery, but was doing well that season and then now is in the Super Bowl. It just goes to show you, you never know until you know. Right. That's, that's exactly right. That is exactly right. And so that's why they always say you got to keep the faith. Right. Gotta keep the faith. And, 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 you know, never say never. You know, those old sayings, those things ring true, you know. Uh, and and he's, he's a testament to that. He just never... Never gave up. You know, he had one roadblock, found another way. You know, another roadblock with the injury, you know, got healthy and kept fighting. And uh, so, uh, no, he's, he's amazing. There's something special about that kid. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. He, he don't, you can't shake him. No, he's a different breed. And, yep. he's, and he's not a jerk, but he's very confident. He's cool. He, right. He's been, you can tell he's been around the brothers. That's what I always say. You know, he's a cool dude. <laughs> that's, that's, every time I see him talk, that's what reminds me that he's been around some brothers a long time. Reminds you of a certain linebacker when you played here at the U? Yeah, that, that Nigerian guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. Yep. Yeah, he was. It still breaks my heart that um, he was over. He was passed over to be the AD this last time. But again, I'm getting on my soapbox, and I need to get away from that. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) well, I really appreciate you giving me your time to tell your story, to hang out with me for an hour plus here, and also to get DT off my back. Like, why haven't you interviewed Ricky? What about Ricky? When are you gonna have Ricky on? When, yeah, it's like, no, dude, <laughs> Daryl, I'm working on it. And so I finally wrote him back. I said he won't respond to me. And and Daryl's like, well, I guess some people just won't. <laughs> <laughs> 
Good to catch up with you, man. Hey, it was a pleasure, JB, man. It's been a long time. It's been yep. too long for my not chit-chat with you, man. It's been great getting caught up with you. Yep, for sure. Uh, you are 100% correct about that. Hopefully our paths cross soon. Uh, unfortunately, like I said, I'm not a golfer, so it's not going to be on the course. But somewhere, somehow, maybe. We can make it happen. Yeah, for sure. All right, we'll man. Get, we'll get Daryl on with us. <laughs> That's true. His younger cousin is um, Ed Harthon, who I recruited from St. Louis. So, oh, yeah. People don't know that about me, that I had a stable of St. Louis athletes going here for, for a while. Not only football, but other sports. So that is, that is awesome. <laughs> All right, man. You take care. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm proud of you, and I'm happy for you. Appreciate it, brother. Love you, JB. All right. Love you too, Ricky. Talk right, to you brother. later. Yeah. In Pennsylvania, a teenage girl that was about to turn 18 was driving her brand new car home when she looked down to check a text message and struck a tree, killing herself and injuring a friend in the car. The average message takes 4.6 seconds to create. Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. Please don't drive while intoxicated or allow your friends and family to do so. No text message or phone call is worth dying for. Find Mike Bryant at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Mike Bryant, seeking justice for the injured. It was a pleasure to catch up with my old friend, Ricky Foggy, gopher quarter, uh, former Gopher quarterback, pro football player, not in the NFL, but, you know, there was the CFL and the Arena League and um, touching the lives. Now he's touching the lives of young people by coaching and his own program with Lifetime Fitness called Game Face. It's always good to talk to Slick Rick, the man with the sweet feet, the man that electrified crowds <laughs> at the Metrodome. Again, this has been the JB's Low Tech Podcast with today's Super Bowl special guest, Rick Foggy. JB is my name, and f***ing up motherfuckers is my game. Right on. Negro, black, African American, black, black, black. Django. J.B. Damn, Dolomite. Great card in heaven, you know J.B. Our great Negro sex machine.